This week, the local side of Key West is sponsored by us. <laughs> we just wanted to let you guys know that we officially have hats for sale for, well, when we thought about the idea of doing the commercial, we had hats for sale for both of us. We, I didn't buy as many hats as Keith, so I ran out fast. Keith bought a lot, and we still have a little, uh, 18 hats left. 20, 20, 20 hats. 20 hats left. That's it. That's all we have left. And they're local side of Key West, so if you love the podcast and you want a hat, let us know. They're $35. If you're local, it's thirty uh, $30. Sorry. $30. It's $30 if you're local. And if you're not local, we'll ship it out for $9. There are four styles left. They're definitely on all of our social media. Go check them out. My favorite is the Pelican one. It's the one I'm rocking all the time. I love it. Keith loves the kind of bright, flow, uh, like tropical. Wow. What is it? I don't know. It's just a big tropical print. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a cool hat. hat. So anyway. And don't worry. If we're sold out, we're buying more. We are ordering more, so we so will get to it. something you wanted and then sold out. We had no idea they were going to sell it so fast. No. It was never. crazy. But we the do coconut have. Coconut hat sold like hotcakes. We didn't even get to the podcast. No. <laughs> so anyway, if you guys are interested in a hat, go check out our socials and reach out to us. And we also have. Concierge Girl tank tops and t-shirts and the local side of Key West Adventures and Rentals. UV shirts. T, UV, long sleeve, and short sleeves. Anyway, that's it. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the spooky side of Key West. I am your host, Kelly. With me always is Keith. What up? And this week, we're talking about places you might not know were haunted. Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the local side of Key West podcast. Oh, it's the spooky side. It is the spooky side of Key West. Dang it. I only remembered it once. Yes. I know. Cheers. You like that ice? Mm. Speaking of ice, the ice guy helped me with my podcast a little bit this week. So thanks for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, how was your week this week? Sorry. Awesome. What did you do this week? Uh, kept recovering. Good for went you. Went to Miami. Oh. Went to Dave and Buster's. Played some games. Got my truck worked on because nobody down here can work on diesels that I trust. So went up there and got done. I don't know. Delivered some golf carts. Okay, so we go to Miami. What did you do this week? I went to Miami. And what we do, so we went to Miami and we were at the dealer, I mean the car place. We asked them, I said, where's a good place to get breakfast? And he gave me some amazing Cuban place. But I'm like, he's Cuban, right? They're Cuban. I believe so. Yeah. So I was, I was like, oh, that sounds great. And we walked outside and he's like, so we're going there. I'm like, heck no. I eat Cuban all day down here. I want something commercial, chain, and boring. <laughs> so we went to Panera and I got me a vanilla latte and some breakfast sandwich. And it was horrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. I did still have my... Uh, my phone number programmed in there, so I got some points for the next time we go to Panera. Oh, the horrible Panera. It was it was terrible. And so we Ubered over to the mall. Dolphin Mall. Dolphin Mall, which was spectacular. Actually a really cool mall. Yeah, they had like this cool outside area. I got to put a video up. I did take a bunch of videos. So we went to the mall. Oh, excuse me. It is late. Always late. 
probably um, went shopping. Yeah, I actually went to like every store in the mall and did a lot of window shopping. But I did other shopping and bought some stuff home that I didn't have to try on and then send back. And like I bought some candles. I could actually smell them in person to see you if they were good. You still messed up on one, even though you were there. I mean, why would you say that and then not be able to explain to them what happened? Your brawl. <laughs> oh, that's all right. The brawl was still cute. Um, then we went to Dave and Buster's, like he said. We had the best, best time at Dave and Buster's. If y'all have, have a Dave and Buster's and have never been, it was so much fun. We didn't get to eat or drink just because obviously we were far from home and had to we drive just home. We that wonderful food from Panera. Oh, yeah, that was our lunch. Um, yeah, but we had such a good time. We rode on the Hungry Hungry Hippos. We threw axes. We played deal or no deal most of the time, actually. Mm -hmm. We did ring toss. We did skee-ball. We had so much fun. Truck was done about an hour and a half earlier, so we left. I know. I wish it took longer. We would have been there longer. Nah, (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't. (laughs) We'd have been jacked up in that Miami traffic. Oh, well, $20 got us a good hour hour of fun for both of us. If we each did 20, it would have been a long time. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't even that expensive. We didn't eat or drink, so I don't know. But, man, that was fun. Uh, it must have five million dollars worth of games in that place. It's crazy. I mean, without even, I mean, I think I'm low. It's crazy how much of the games and the, and the, the, they're not just itty bitty games; they're huge games. Place is cool. Yeah, place we did it cool. all in one day. We got up at three thirty in the morning, went to Miami, came home. Dad, did he work or something that night? What did we do when we got home? Had to pick up golf carts. Oh, yeah. We had to go get golf carts, for God's sakes. We also Mm -hmm. stopped and saw my brother for, like, a late lunch dinner thing, which was really nice. Then, of course, we stopped in the marathon. Then we got all the Irie Island eats. God, Mm. its food is so good. It's getting ready to get even better. Mm. Are we allowed to talk about that? I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's ready have, to go. He's about a week week out now. He's going to have so many new things. Just you have Gotta to go have, in there. He's going to have the market. He's going to have fresh bread, pies, ice cream, juices. He's doing dinners there now, too. Oh, he started been doing dinners um, Friday, the Saturday. Hawa- Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The Hawaiian chicken is the stuff. It's shit sizzle. Shit sizzle. <laughs> it's so good. It is. I mean, That's again, my favorite we talk thing. about it a lot, but, man, he is just killing it. And it's just going to get better. He's going to have a market with vegetables and fruits. And, and he's going to have, you know, like stuff that he has. Products. You name it. He's going to have it. I'm excited about his breads and things. I mean, he, that, he gave us a sample of, some, of the bread. It was coconut something. It was coconut. Bread. He made it with coconut. Oh, my coconut God. Coconut milk, maybe? I don't it know. It barely made it home. Anyway. Anyway. Do we have any other business? Ooh, I got one more thing to say. Cocktail kickboard. I put a little post up about it, you guys. And tomorrow, I get to take it out and play with it. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're excited too, I see. <laughs> to take it out and play with it, yep. <laughs> you hang out with Mickey too much. Oh, Mickey Mickey made me say that? Yeah, when you get around her, you go nuts. <laughs> nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> okay, anywho, let's get to the podcast where Keith blows a gasket making dirty jokes. Ready? Set. It's a lot. So get your pen and paper out. This is all Kelly. She's been over here enjoying her. Oh. Research. The best research. Um, get your pen and paper out. This is all about places that you might not know are haunted in Key West. There is a lot of information here. 
I'm going to go through it pretty quickly and... Luckily, they can go back to the podcast and listen to it anytime they want for info. You know, like for the last two seasons, I've been saying I'm going to get that thing where it blog. translates you mm-hmm. and puts it in a blog. I haven't done it. Yeah. Nope. Okay. So number... These are not in any order. I'm not even going to number. Okay. So one of the haunted places that you might not know is... You tell me if you know these two, baby, Okay. The Key West Firehouse Museum. Did you know it was haunted? I did. I told you that last week. It's it's one of the oldest firehouses in Florida. They used to do horse-drawn steamers and hose carriages. That must have been a sight. Hose carriages. Horse-drawn steamers and hose carriages. The roof was destroyed during the storm of 1909. And it's haunted. It's what? Haunted. Yeah. Paranormal investigations have gone in there. They see orbs. They see... All these like objects and like dark environments. I, I don't know. You know, I see orbs all the time in my phone, and someone told me like when you take a picture, there's like a little glowing dot. And someone told me one time that that is somebody presenting themselves. And one time, our friends Greg and Sharon showed us this <laughs> video. Okay. They couldn't figure out what it was. It was a video of them just like. Filming the sunset from their house. Mm. Straight onto the sun. The camera was not moving. It was straight onto the sun. And a little orb zoomed right by. It was the craziest thing. And I've seen lots of orbs in my pictures, especially after my dog died. And I was taking pictures in those general areas. There was always orbs in my picture. I couldn't get them out. I cleaned my lenses. Do I think that's true? I don't know. But it's nice to believe that someone's watching you. As long as it's someone good. It's supposed Mm. to be like loved ones or whatever. They also have this... You always feel like somebody's watching you. <laughs> they also have the, this girl in the photograph, they call it. The museum curator there told Keys Weekly that the messenger... Uh, that there's like... A, hold on, sorry. I'm trying to skip her words because it's really long. One particular object converted the curator. It was a group shot, and in it was the image of a small African-American girl dressed in fashion from the early days of the firehouse. And she was missing. From the photo. Very neat. Moving mattresses, exploding bicycle tires. Um, they had one guest witnessed a full body apparition in the men's room. The, the man, thinking that the spectator was a fellow visitor, asked if he needed any assistance. And the poltergeist responded that his name was Frank and he only needed the mirror. Whenever that man returned from the stall, Frank had disappeared. The man later inquired about if of his group if anyone had seen Frank and he described him and they hadn't everybody was stumped the tour guide was very was less surprised he asked if the apparition had been named Frank and he said it was so that's uh, Frank in the firehouse there's a bohemian girl people allege to see a bohemian girl about about the building described as a beautiful young woman in a yellow 19th century dress the bohemian girl radiates positive energy one guest claims that the Bohemian Girl invited her down the firehouse corridor. Once they arrived at the room with the firehouse memorabilia, she disappeared. I'm sorry, but if somebody appears in front of me and says, Come here, I'm not going. Going the other way. Mm-hmm. So they see a lot of stuff in there. Very cool. Yeah. All right. We ride by it almost every couple days. Ooh, the address is 1024 Grinnell. Mm-hmm. We ride by it a couple days, mostly if we're going to El Sibine. We're always over that way. <laughs> The next one is the Porter Mansion, 429 Caroline. 
You know, it took me a long time to figure out where this building was because it's all covered in trees now. That's pretty mm-hmm. much all covered in trees. <clears throat> uh, once the residence of Dr. Joseph Porter, this 19th century mansion is packed with paranormal activity. One poltergeist died in the same room he was born in. Does that explain it? what you see? So, um, Dr. Joseph Porter was born in the same room he died in, in oh, that house. Awesome. Yeah. So, it's like, he did not want to leave that house. You know, I bet Harvey and Shirley's house is haunted. Oh. Or the Calvin Klein house. You think they would let me go in those two homes and check it out? And do your little thing? Maybe not Harvey and Shirley. Maybe not. I know it's always been in her father's, you know, in her family. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. But man, you know, that thing's like. What, look, we should look up that now. That thing is old. But we should look up the Calvin Klein place. Mm-hmm. A third floor resident there alleges that he regularly is visited by poltergeists. Nothing sinister. Whenever the resident is away from his bedroom, he overhears strange clinks from inside. And he always returns to find his coins neatly stacked in the dresser. Uh, another resident claims to hear mysterious sounds of a chamber ensemble. Of course, we're saying that, and there's like weird noises in our kitchen. Mm-hmm. What was that? Ghost. <laughs> once I've done the meter here, we don't have any ghosts. Once it uh, once it occurs, she walks to the living room to inform ooh, the apparition that she's trying to sleep. She then instructs them to try again tomorrow. As soon as she tells them, they're quiet. The good ghost. Yeah. There's full-body apparitions there, too. They see him all the time looking out the window. One time, they, um, there was a guy and his client in one of the offices there, and they kept seeing a strange guy going back and forth, like, angrily, walking back and forth, walking back and forth. And after their meeting, they opened the door. They were like, let's go see what this guy wants, and there was no one there. And they asked the secretary, hey, who was just here? And she was like, there was no one here. Oh, oh Yeah. That's pretty cool, right? I want to just wander around in there. Would you go in there, honey? Nope. I'm good with all that. I don't need it. Are you going to drive Mickey and I around? Sure. Mickey and I want to do our own ghost hunt. Yeah. We're going to make Keith and Bill go in case something happens to us. (laughs) Okay. I can't shoot it with a gun and kill it. I don't want anything to do with it. The next one is 938 Whitehead, the lighthouse. Do you remember why this one was haunted, babe? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to tell me, but you don't. It's fine. The Key West Lighthouse was maintained by a woman for over 30 years, an extreme rarity at this time. Both the lighthouse and the keeper's quarters in Key West are reconstructions. The Key West Lighthouse was decommissioned by the Coast Guard in 1969. She took over the lighthouse when her husband died. He was the keeper, mm-hmm. and she kept going with it. But it was brought ashore. It used to be out in the water, and they brought it on shore. After that, and of course, that's a reconstruction where it sits now. The morning of October 11th, 1846, the most intense storm to ever strike Cuba touched down on the Florida Keys. Barbara Maberty had been the lighthouse keeper for 14 years, assuming the role after her husband died unexpectedly. A woman manning the lighthouse, better yet working at all, was a really rare thing at that time. So she had a lot to prove. Perhaps it was the desire to prove herself that possessed her to keep the tower's light shining despite the violent 160-mile-an-hour winds. As the storm raged on, it decimated buildings and uprooted trees, claiming over 40 lives in the process. She was stubborn, but she wasn't foolish, realizing that she would soon join the rubble in the sea if she kept tending to the light. 
she rushed downstairs where she joined her seven children who had been waiting out the storm in the face of the light tower. After their houses were destroyed, eight locals sought shelter inside the lighthouse, but were taken to sea before they could reach it. Oh. Soon after, the tower also gave in. Legend has it, Mayberry was only able to grab one of her children before the structure was destroyed. But this can't be verified. We do not know. We, what we do know is that she mysteriously managed to survive. Um, it says, Mayberry dedicated most of her life to the role as keeper, so it's no surprise that even in death, her spirit has lingered on to look over the tower. Some visitors in the lighthouse claim to have felt a presence nearby, followed by eerie cold spots, in some cases even report being touched by unseen hands. Not that I really want anything to happen, but it'd be neat to see something, don't you think? No. No? Okay. You're dying for it, but I don't Dying know. for yeah, it? Was exactly. that a pun? I don't want anything to do with that crap. Mm, I really want to just see. It'll happen to me because I'm the one that doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, the next one is the Audubon House and Gardens. There are quite a few haunted houses in Key West, and the most popular, one of the most popular is the Audubon House and Gardens, located at 205 Whitehead Street. In Key West, this home was built by Captain John Geiger. He was a harbor pilot and known as a master wrecker. Master wrecker. Come on. <laughs> I can't make a joke. The term wrecker was often used to describe someone who had money from finding the bounty found on a shipwreck. This was a common way to make money back then because of all the ships coming in and out of Key West. Geiger moved to the city in the 1820s, and in 1829 he married Lucretia Sanders. Every time you do that, it's going to make noise. They had a total of 12 children together, and he built his home <laughs> as a way to show off his riches from his master wrecker position. Captain Geiger did a lot more than work as a wrecker, though. He actually had his hand in the world of piracy as well. Many people thought he was actually had a lot of money stored away somewhere, and that, and that was how he was able to live his lavish lifestyle. In 1885, he died, but the mansion stayed in the family for many years. His last family member was Captain Willie Smith and died in 1956. This is when the mansion was passed on to the Mitchell-Wolfson Family Foundation. The house was supposed to be demolished in 1958, but the foundation was able to save it and restore it. They work... Uh, okay. The house has been renamed for the painter John James Audubon. He loved visiting the Dry Tortugas in Key West, and we're not sure he ever stayed in the house, but he did have a love for Key West, and that's clear in his work. One of the first ghosts that people claim to see here is the ghost of Captain John Geiger. Visitors say that they have seen a man looking out onto the property. He's usually standing out on the second-story balcony and watching the waters. Some say that he could be waiting for ships to come in, while others say that he could be watching for his love. One guest said that they saw him walking around the gardens at night. They felt his presence very close to them and felt it, uh, felt it was on edge. Perhaps his ghost is just trying to make sure the guests there don't steal his riches. Another tale of ghosts in the mansions featured in the main art gallery. In the gallery, many visitors come to look at the Audubon's art to buy gifts for family and friends. The manager of the gallery has many stories about ghosts in here, and one story he felt that someone was watching very closely. He said that he would hear footsteps over and over again, as if someone was walking into the gallery. He waited patiently for someone to arrive, but they never did. He decided that he would go check it out for himself. For himself. When he went to look around, not only were the footsteps gone, 
But there was no one heading towards the gallery, just an empty hallway. For the gallery manager, this is not the only story of ghosts in the mansion. There are a lot. So they talk about people touching them. They talk about all the noises they hear. The gallery manager was opening up one morning. He could hear the sounds of children playing in the children's room. He was surprised because there was no one in the building. But he did hear kids playing. Um, lots of stuff in the children's room. There's dolls in the Audubon house. So that's always creepy. Look, there's a picture of one of the dolls. It's pretty creepy looking. It's very creepy. So what's really cool about the Audubon house... Is, and, this, I wonder, is this Geiger? Master Wrecker? Is he Geiger, Geiger Key? I'm guessing it's Geiger, Geiger. They didn't talk about it, though. I guess that's maybe what Geiger Key is named after. Mm, I would guess so. How many Geigers you know? Right. Of course, Ernest Hemingway's house is haunted. He's at 907 Whitehead Street. You guys know that, though. I'm not going into it. Uh, Fort East Martello Tower. Okay, let's talk about this. I'm into it, y'all. East Martello Museum, it's where Robert the doll is. I... And where he should stay and be left alone. Mm. Um, East Martello was used quite a bit during the Civil War, so obviously that's a big part of it, too. So, okay, we all know the story of Robert the doll. If you don't, I have a whole entire show on it. Go look. But this is one of the things that the ice guy, R.B. Conk himself... The famous Key West writer was sent me a link the other day. Mm. This is what I was watching. Keith was like, really? Can we move on with this and get the podcast done? Because I was so into this. So there's this guy. His name is Kalani Smith. Now, maybe I'm the only person that's never heard of him. But there's Kalani Ghost Hunt. You can watch it on YouTube. They, these two guys, Josh and Kalani, I guess. I, I would guess his name is that. They're ghost hunters. They do ghost hunts everywhere. I cannot wait to keep watching it, but of course they did one on Robert the doll. Well, you know you have to ask Robert the doll if you can take pictures? They asked him, but then they thought, we are going to do a blood sacrifice ritual. They're insane. So they did that tour. There's a tour here where you can lock yourself in a room with Robert the doll at night. Mm. I can set you Mm. up on it if you're into it. I don't even know if I would do it, honestly. I would do the tour of the tower and, like, the ghost tour. You spend the night? No, no, no. It's like, I think you get, like, an hour. And that's what they were doing. Crazy. So they had all these meters set up everywhere, and they poked their finger with a needle, got the blood, and they had bought two little replicas of Robert the doll. So they put the blood on Robert the doll. The fake ones. The replicas. And they offered it to Robert the doll as, like, as a peace offering, a blood sacrifice, a blood ritual. How'd that work out? And they said, we're not doing this in harm. We're doing this because nobody's ever done this. And we want you to talk to us like you've never spoken to anyone. They had all the um, spirit boxes. They had energy readers. They had all these little things that you could, like, the energy would read yes or no. So you can be like, Robert, are you a doll? And it would go, yes, or whatever. So anyway, the one guy sitting there as soon as they gave him the doll they're sitting there and they were asking questions and all of a sudden the one guy started like choking and coughing and his whole face turned really red it looked like he was acting at first but then his eyes kind of got watery and i'm like that's pretty good acting and he kind of got red and i'm like all right and then he was like i gotta go i'm leaving right now he said i can't breathe i can't breathe i can't breathe 
and he like ran out and started throwing up all over the grounds of the East Martello Tower. And the other guy comes running out. He's like, my chest, my chest. It feels like my skin is on fire. They were like pretty hysterical, actually. And these are kind of these, you know, they're, they're like manly men, you know, and they're like kind of hysterical. And uh, they had to get it out of their system. The one guy was like, I want to go to the hospital, throwing up all over the place. So anyway, they go back into the gift shop because I guess that's kind of where you go after you do this experience. And the guy that works there was like, I've never seen anybody do that. I've also never seen the blood ritual, but I'm actually scared of Robert the doll right now. And he's like, I've been here and I'm never scared of Robert the doll. And they were just explaining that the one guy like ran into the gift shop. He broke the knob on the door because he was trying so hard to get out and sat on the floor, took his shirt off, started pouring water all over himself, asking them for food. I mean, it was crazy. I think they possessed him. So now I have to do the research to figure out what in the world. I mean, they're still alive because they're still doing haunts, but are they possessed? They did walk back in the room and apologize to him. But it didn't seem like Robert cared. Just saying. Don't mess with the doll. I mean, you can go in there. Don't mess with the doll. You don't need to go in there. You see pictures, you're good. I watched the whole video. and You I go already... there, don't you bring that shit home. I actually... Don't you bring that possession crap in here. <laughs> I actually, before I watched his video, I asked if Robert the doll would let me watch the video. <laughs> I was so scared. The next one is 310 Fleming Street, Old Monroe County Jail. Oh. Oh, yeah. That um, thing is haunted. The Old Monroe County Jail, along with the rest of Key West, are said to be plagued by a voodoo curse. Key Westers will confirm this jail, or rather what's left of it, is definitely haunted. There's not even a question in any local's mind. You can almost just walk by it and feel it. Residual hauntings are said to be the culprit. Hangings, angry mobs, and evilest of a, the evilest of offenders have played a part in making this an active uh, paranormal site. I wonder, do they let What's pe- crazy is the jail is still where the new jail is. Uh, all around it. Yeah. I wonder if they let people in there. There's no doubt that the old Monroe County Jail has seen its fair share of horrors during the many decades it was an active prison, some of which stand out more than others. The Hanging Man. Prison hangings are not uncommon. We always hear of serial killers who commit unspeakable crimes but can't bear to do the time. But that wasn't the case for Mr. Perez, Mr. Osilio Perez. He wasn't a criminal. In fact, the only thing he was guilty of was harming himself. He had been transported to the Monroe County Jail after being found twice in the woods after self-inflicted cuts on his wrist. Perez was not under arrest. He was only being held there so he could be transferred to a mental institution. As the nurse left to get his dinner, he flipped out, tied a belt around one of his legs, and bending his legs under under him, he hanged himself. Perez was a Cuban immigrant, only 25 years old, when he took his own life. He seemed to be in a terribly dark, distressed state of mind, something that is believed to affect one's chances to cross over at the afterlife. So obviously he couldn't get to the afterlife because he was, had some issues. We've yet to find out if Asilio's spirits is still with us, but some believe that tragedies like his are sure to leave a paranormal imprint. One of the jail's most memorable residents, although briefly, was Manuel... Is, I don't know how to say this. Oh, boy. I'm not Spanish. Aslino Cabaza. Cabaza says it means head in Spanish. Cabeza. Sorry. 
don't speak Spanish at all, was a tough veteran of the Spanish ancestry, ancestry who fell in love with Angela, a sultry Afro-Cuban working girl. Cabeza plucked her off the streets, and the two lived happy, simple life in their second-floor apartment on Petronia Street. They lived in a room in the back of a coffee shop. People talked about his living with Angela, but nobody didn't really think anything of it. Unfortunately, at the time, soliciting an Afro-Caribbean streetwalker for the night was, near, was nearly encouraged, but dating one was incredibly stigmatized. Most of the people left their taboo relationship alone, but the KKK wasn't about to let it fly. <laughs> On the night of December 23rd, 1921, Cabeza was attacked by several Klansmen outside of his home. He was left severely injured with a busted kidney. Being the tough hombre that he was, the next day, Manuel was out getting his payback. His lady was cooking up revenge of her own. As experienced Cuban voodoo practitioner, she sacrificed her chickens and made offerings. She called upon the voodoo gods at the top of her lungs and cursed the men who hurt her partner. Meanwhile, Cabeza was on was an sorry. Meanwhile, Cabeza was on an understandable rampage. He had killed a clan member in broad daylight, and both pro and anti Cabeza mobs were starting to form. The town was in complete chaos, leaving the law enforcement no choice but to call the Marines to help them capture him. They cornered him and made him a deal. They'd protect him, but only if he surrendered. He didn't trust the police, but he agreed anyway. The Marines stood guard out in front of the old Monroe County Jail until 1 a.m., but Curry, the police officer in charge, told them to go home, and he had it under control. <laughs> Curry was thought to be a white supremacist which likely explains why he, too, went home when he was supposed to stay on guard in the jail overnight. That Christmas Eve, as Curry disappeared from view, 15 Klansmen walked up to the jail, dragged Cabeza out of his unlocked cell. Unlocked cell. They tied him up by the feet to the bumper of the car and dragged him to the waterfront and hanged him from a palm tree. As if that wasn't enough, they riddled his already lifeless body with bullets. You know, for good measure. For a long time, the lynching Manuel Cabeza. For the long time, the lynching of Manuel Cabeza was thought to be nothing but a legend. Sadly, in this case, reality is far more terrifying than fiction. In Stuart McIver's article "Key West's Bloodiest Christmas," the author includes a quote by a local cigar maker named Noberto Diaz, summing up the effects of Angela's curse on the island. Diaz said that the curse had already killed five of the men who attacked Cabeza. One was shot by Cabeza, one blew up, one was taken by sea during a hurricane, one ground to pieces under his boat when he hit a reef, and one went fishing and never came back. Mm. Curry wasn't spared either. He drowned on a fishing trip. Diaz is not the only one who believes that day Angela didn't just curse the men who hurt Cabeza, but she, incur- she cursed the entire island. People claim that the first palm tree to die of lethal yellowing, lethal yellowing, a disease affecting Key West palm trees, was the one Cabeza was hanged from. So you think that that yellowing that we always see on our palm trees? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Maybe that's her. Legend has it that the curse that hit the county jail pretty hard was likely what why barely stands today. The the Key West curse may be a bit too far fetched. But in a city known for Robert the Doll's curse and Count Van Castle, y'all don't get me started on Count Van Castle. I will go into it. I did do a show on him too, but I feel like 
He's worthy of a show every year. Count Van Kossel's mummified girlfriend? We can't help but wonder. Is there a grain of truth to the rumors? What do you think, babe? <laughs> Again, I, I stay back. I don't want to be part of any of that stuff because I don't know anything about it. Hmm. I'm into it. One of the most haunted places in Key West. The website that I'm on ranked this number one most haunted place in Key West. And it's all of Eaton Street. Oh, yeah. In Key West, there are plenty of places that are haunted. But Eaton Street is the choice for number one haunted place in Key West because of everything that has happened here. Even in the city, locals and visitors call it the most haunted street in Key West. The spirits that walk the street can be playful, angry, really spooky, or even touch you. When you walk on Eden Street, you better keep your wits about you because you may just see a ghost. Now, I know there is a weird... I get a weird feeling when I go on Eden Street, but mostly because it needs to be paved. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll bounce you out of a car. Key West has always been friend, a friendly port city and welcoming to those from the Bahamas. Most of the first citizens were from the Bahamas, and they helped to build this beautiful city. The Spanish settled Key West, and it quickly became a popular fishing town. The, men, the first men to establish Key West were John Simonton, John Whitehead, John Fleming, and Pardon Green. What's up with all the Johns? I wonder why they, they didn't mention Flagler. Oh. The local buildings and streets are named after these founding fathers. In the 1830s, there were many Bohemians who came to Key West for work. They found jobs, fishing industry, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Key West is one of the richest cities. So they're just talking about how popular the city got. Mm. And they're going to talk about the pirate world. And they say that there's actually times at night when you're walking that people touch you when you walk by certain places. And then this one guy I was listening to was like, it's probably just drunk people. And they're all drunk. (laughs) Okay, so one of the things, I actually had this written down too. The ghost of St. Paul's Church Graveyard. And uh, also, Arby Conk wanted me, he, he was mentioning this too. But there's a whole thing that goes with this. But I'm just going to start here because that's where it's at. The ghost of St. Paul's Graveyard. We all know that many people are scared of going near graveyards and cemeteries. You may not get the chance to see a ghost along, uh, in Key West. Along Eaton Street, you'll find St. Paul's Cemetery. There's actually a, um, a tour that goes and they'll walk by. And they won't even go in there. I don't know if they're not allowed or they're too scared. The cemetery is said to have homeless spirits that are not too friendly. When walking down Eaton Street, something may try to pull you from the sidewalk. Maybe they don't push you in front of cars. You will walk by the cemetery and have a sense of wanting to get just a little closer, a little closer and peek in. That's always how it draws people in. If you look closely, the spirits will get you to walk right into the graveyard, right by the graveyard. Once you're in there, you will begin to see just what I have in store for you. Keep your eyes peeled. The ghosts of St. Paul Graveyard are some of the most famous in Key West. The land was given to the citizens in 1832 by the (laughs) widow of John William Charles Fleming. Didn't you say that? Flagler. Oh, sorry. He was one of the large landowners in Key West. When Mrs. Fleming gave the land to the city, John William was buried on it. Miss Fleming said that no matter what happens, she doesn't want him removed from this land. To this day, he still remains there. But no one knows exactly where they are. Many of the locals think the strange occurrences that happen in the graveyard along Eaton Street are due to the fact that Mr. Fleming is still there. Some of the people think his soul is restless, and that's why things continue to happen there. Another spirit is reported to be seen at the graveyard is a sea captain that frightens visitors. 
He appears in the small garden outside of the graveyard. Many visitors do like to sit in the garden and will literally come out of nowhere to scare them. And he will literally come out of nowhere just to scare them. There are several ghosts. Okay, this is where it's going to go into the next story. There are several ghosts of children that come out into the graveyard along 8th Street. Some say the children will gather closely to the tombstones that have angels on them. Most spirits here seem to be harmless, but there are plenty more that walk along Eden Street. And then it said, if you smoke a cigarette anywhere near the big angel statue in there, the kids will come out and they get pretty pissed. And do you know why? Because they don't like cigarettes. Have you ever heard of Club Chameleon? No. This was new to me too. Club Chameleon used to be a club and it's actually now the Key West Theater on Eden Street. It is so fascinating the things that it's been and the history behind this building. We go there and we saw, what's his face? Jimmy Buffett. No, we didn't see Jimmy Buffett there. We saw him outside. Anyway, you're talking about inside the theater was, um, jeez. Okay. Anyway. I'll come with, give me one minute. <laughs> Citizen Coke. Yes. Jeez. So on Eaton Street, there is the Key West Theater. They have a lot of very small personal shows in there. So this is, this is back when it says Club Chameleon. is an old nightclub that used to be a church. So this is what happened at the Key West Theater. It is extremely, extremely haunted. I wish I would have known this when I went there to see the concert. It's an old nightclub that used to be a church. And now it's a theater. It was built in the late 1800s and it has quite a checkered past. Are you ready for this, baby? You don't know this story, do you? The ministers of the church caught his wife in the act while having an affair in the, ch- in the church. Mm. He went into a complete fit of rage when he found them. It is said that he boarded up all the doors and windows and set the church on oh, fire. Oh, yeah, dude. This is, the, this is the minister that burned down and started the Greek fire at Key West. His anger took the best of him. His wife and the deacon were both caught inside the church when it burned. There were also 14 children that ended up yeah. dying in the fire. Lulu, do you like this story that the minister had started? Many visitors to the now-closed club-turned-theater said that you can smell smoke constantly when you're in there. Some say that it was the smell of flesh burning. There are also stories of people walking by the church and knocking on the windows when you go by. Once they wait a minute or so, they can claim to hear the screams of children inside the church. Some people will say the children tap on the windows too. Also, they say if you go up to that theater and you touch the glass, sometimes it feels hot. Sometimes you'll hear things if you, like, press your ear against it and there's no noise outside. But they definitely say the kids are banging on the windows and screaming inside. Mm. Goosebumps. Oh, sorry. I just get so sidetracked. Um, Oh, and that was the other thing I wanted to tell you. The theater property backs up to the church cemetery that I just talked about. So when you get too close, if you have a lighter or cigarettes or anything near the theater or by that graveyard, all the children get really upset because obviously they burn to death and you don't want fire. So no smoking near that theater or the church. Don't have a lighter. You know, if someone plays a good tune, don't put a lighter up because I guess the children freak out. As they should. As they should. How crazy is that, baby? It's crazy. Yeah, that's what I have for everything. Oh, also at the Saint, at the Saint uh, Paul's graveyard. That was the one that was uprooted 
when all the bodies went everywhere. During the hurricane, it flooded. Lulu. And all the bodies lifted out of the water, lifted out of the ground. Because what happened was, they didn't know that cement, they did everything with cement. So what they did was, because we're on coral, you can't dig six feet down. So they stack the bodies on top of each other when people die, right? And then everything's done in cement back then. And they didn't know back then that cement would just get trashed in salt water. So when the hurricane came, all the cement went away and all the bodies came out. And people were finding their bodies. But apparently there was a graveyard there before they did that. So there was like bones everywhere too. The Island of Bones. The Island of Bones. Bring it up. Way to bring it all the way back to the beginning of Key West. Ah. Bone Island. So now I have to make sure I have everything written down, obviously. So Mickey and I, and we're going to have Key chauffeur us around, and we're going to go to all these spots and do the EMF reader. Are you ready for that? Sure. Are you scared? I'm staying right on the Jeep or the golf cart. It's going to be the golf cart, 100%. No, we'll see. But, yeah. Okay. We have a um, we have a review. We do. Yeah. These are actually older, and I don't know why they didn't pop up before. Hmm. But I'm going to read the shorter one just because I just did a lot of talking. Yeah, you did. I'm so glad I found this podcast before we leave on vacation this week. I'm just sorry I didn't find it sooner, so I had more time. I'm bringing my Kelly and Keith tips in a notebook I made. Let the fun begin. Thank you guys for all the info and answering my emails. Five stars, full of great tips and info. Kenny Chesney 01 fan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, and Thank you. also remember, we do have those hats for sale. You can check out Lulu's Ready for the Hats. You can check out all of our social medias. Uh, if you just want to email one of us, it's fine. We'll send you pictures of what we have. We will be ordering more once we finish selling out a key size. Yep. So, and also stay tuned to see the cocktail kickboards in action. I'm super excited about those. Basically, they are floating drink holders that don't tip over. We're going to test them out and see. Right. Yeah, so check that out tomorrow, too. Tomorrow. Yeah. Anything else? That'll do it. That'll do it. Y'all have a great night. And Peace. we'll see you next week. Bye. I'm good.